Welcome to the Thirst for More podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Smitley, where we sit down and talk with strength coaches, personal trainers, nutritionalists, and other professionals in the fitness and strength and conditioning field to help athletes, parents, coaches, small business owners help level up their game to provide athletes and clients world-renowned success, either in the weight room, on the field, or on the platform. Enjoy today's episode. On episode 21 of the Thirst for More podcast, I do another solo episode, and we discuss cultivating culture, what that is, how you can potentially do it in your weight room, your gym, your facility, maybe even your business, and and how we kind of had great success with being able to cultivate a culture early on at Thirst, and what I thought might be some of the reasons we've had that success, and maybe how that success could be passed on to you and some things that you might be able to do. I'm not going to say that what we do is best, um, because it certainly is not. We're still very young. There's still a lot of things that we will have to be able to look back upon in the future and say, hey, we did this well. We did this not so great. We could have improved this. But I do feel that you know, with a little bit over two years underneath our belt, the growth that we've seen, the fact that we had to limit memberships, um, the fact that we have 60-some athletes in our facility, I think goes to say that we've been able to do something right, at least from a culture standpoint, and being able to uh, pass that on to you is something that uh, I definitely wanted to do. Also, the fact that the, the previous week while I was in the facility and looking back some of the memories that the social media posts give you, but also the, the culture that was in the facility this week was just on a different level, and it made me very appreciative of that, and it, it kind of made me think, how did how did we get here? How did this happen so fast? And and how is this important to sustainability of not only a, a business in general? Because um, if you don't have good culture, I firmly believe that your business will go under. But I, I think that how did we get to this point and do it so well so quickly? When I'll be honest, in our area there are a ton of gyms. We should probably never have actually been able to be open if people were doing things and actually cultivating culture the way that I probably talk about in here. Again, not saying that what we do is the best, but I think what we have done has been able to showcase what we do well and the fact that we, since we do it well, I think you'll be able to maybe find some things that you might be able to benefit for your culture, facility, weight room, teams, business, maybe even your friendship. So, Enjoy episode 21, where we talk about cultivating culture. Hi, this is Brandon Smilly. I'm doing episode 21 of the Thirst for More podcast, and this is another solo episode, and we're talking about cultivating culture, kind of what that means, and how that can help you have success in your weight room with your clients, with your athletes, with your members, maybe even at your business. Um, and people you work with. So I, I firmly believe that culture is what will do the selling on the private front. So if you own a gym or you own a business, if you do not have good culture, um, you're gonna have a hard time surviving. Um, but if you are in the collegiate or high school room, I do believe that you know that if you do not have a good culture, uh, that usually is a very rough season. It's a very rough year. It's a very rough room. It can become toxic um, and you have a lot of problems just in the weight room that's not even going to include on the field or court or wrestling room or whatever you have so i do think culture is one of the most undervalued things 
uh, when it comes to strength and conditioning, but also just in life in general. I think if you've got that culture, you've got that mindset of people that you're around just in general, it tends to carry on to everything else, not only in your life, but how everything else flows in the room or in the business um, or with your employees. So the reason I kind of want to discuss this topic, I think one is kind of short and sweet. Um, this isn't going to be nearly as long as an episode of some of the others as I work on pinning down some more speakers for you to listen to so you don't get tired of listening to me all the time. But also, I do believe cultivating culture is what has had our success at Thirst. Uh, we've only been open two years, and I feel that as those two years, we've already outdone all of our projections that I had, um, generally by anywhere from 30 to 50%, depending upon revenue or client numbers, um, and overall just the, the space and the amount of investment that we've put back into the business. I think that we've done very well, and I do believe that culture is the number one thing that has driven that to be able to see that success. You could argue that maybe it's the training, maybe it's the equipment, maybe it's the location, maybe it's the niche. I can't exactly tell you that, and I won't be able to tell you that until I'm able to look back in the past and be like, that was a good decision or that was a bad one. Because um, being in the thick of it still early on, it's still very hard to tell what our exact performance indicators are of what has helped create that niche. But I do believe that the culture that we have comes from the expectations that we set. So when we're going to talk about culture, we're kind of talking about the environment, the expectations, the the unseen, unspoken rules in the facility or in the room that carry weight. People know that if they don't do something, they're the odd man out. They're doing something wrong. This, is, this goes against the grain and the culture or the core values of your business or your weight room or your facility or your your team. And when that when that sticks out, anybody that has been in a toxic environment or has a toxic person in a good environment knows how bad that sticks out. Walking into the room feels weird. Or if you're that person that is the problem, when you walk in the room, you immediately feel weird. You feel like it, it doesn't, doesn't belong. Um, and I think... Almost everybody can relate to that to some extent. I mean, if you are somebody that, let's say, you know, had a bad day at work and you come back, that next day is a little awkward, right? So that's that's because the culture has cultivated this mindset, this expectation, and you know that you didn't meet it and you're having to come back and reface it the next day. Now, we'll say that coming back and refacing it and trying to do your best is one of the best things you can do to get back in that culture and be accepted. Um, especially when there are high expectations and high demands. But when it comes to that culture, you've got to make sure that you're you're giving back to the environment to help level it up. So I like to think of this with us whenever we have people that come into our facility, you know, what what is the the average of everybody that's in there, you know? We have a very, very wide spectrum in our facility from our general members to our people that do our conditioning stuff, to our personal training, to our sports performance. Um, and you, you're going to see the whole gamut. You're going to see kids as young as eight, and then we've also got people that are in their 70s, all in one facility working together, and I think that is a very unique atmosphere, but there's also different cultural dynamics that have to happen for that room to move smoothly. So having good expectations, making sure that they're set, um, I think goes a very long way. Like I said, I think that's something that's set us up for success very early on so far. I think the other thing is is when you have a group of people very early on that helps set the standard high, 
it's hard to walk into a room and be somebody that's underneath the standard and not feel like you have to work harder to to raise up to that standard. So this is not talking about strength either. I'm not talking about what you can squat and what you can bench press and what you can clean. You know, I'm, I'm talking about that what is demanded in terms of the work ethic, the, uh, the intangibles, the things that are not on the programming sheet, the things that you can't track metrically in your um, in your software and in your systems when you're going to do business analytics. They're not, they're not going to pop up. You just have to walk in the room and feel it. And I think that's what I like about Thirst is that when you walk in the doors, you feel it. You almost feel like there's this pressure to work harder and to do better almost that you're going to let people down. Now, I'm not saying I want people to feel that they're letting us down because they're not. Uh, I don't think we've really had anybody let us down. Um, We've only managed to kick one person out of our gym ever, um, and that was one of the best decisions that we think we had as a business. I think we dodged a big bullet by doing that. Um, Not only were they breaking the rules that we talked about um, early on about when they signed their paperwork, but... I just think overall the toxic environment that was there, we got rid of it early. We didn't let it fester. We didn't let it get on to other people. We also knew that we had people that were bothered by the toxic environment because they personally came to us and told us the way that they felt about that individual and the way they were conducting themselves and that, that you know this is not the place for them. So culture to me is very important. I think it's by far the one metric in gym ownership that – you need to get right to last a long time. And like I said, you can have all this fancy equipment, great programming, and these intelligent coaches, but if they can't get the, the culture part to stick with them, they can't be humans around your your clientele and your, your customers, I don't think it matters how smart they are in the books or in their head. I think you genuinely got to care and have that culture um, be there. So I, I've got a couple things down here and how we're going to kind of spin this. So they kind of give you that brief six, seven minute intro there uh, of kind of what we've done. And so one of the big things that I think we, we did early on was uh, we, we had high, high, high price points, uh, at least for our regular membership. We undershot our personal training and sports performance pricing, but our general membership pricing, we outpriced everybody to raise the standard there initially. I think that immediately cultivated culture because you immediately knew that people that were going to come pay for the facility were going to value it. They were paying more than anywhere else, so they knew they were going to have to value what they had. Um, and it was early, starting early on. I mean, we really did not have much. If if you were not in Thirst two years ago, oh my goodness, we did not have that much equipment. I mean, I look back, I think the stuff we had was great. Um, I mean, we were primarily outfitted by Elite FTS. We already had, from the day we opened, you know, we had more variety of barbells and unique equipment that other places didn't, and it wasn't, we weren't using that to sell, but that's just what was in my garage that I needed as a powerlifter, but then when you add that into performance on top of the space, I think we were already ahead of people there, but the equipment has by no means sold anybody. Now that we have more, I think it is a bit of a selling point because now when you go to compare facilities, there's a big gap between us and everybody else. Um, you know, other places might have similar stuff, but when it comes to if you really, really want to train and you want enough racks and you want enough space and you want unique pieces of equipment and you want fifty some bar, oh, nearly fifty barbells, like we're gonna be the only place for you to go. Um, especially if you want to be able to really get after it and also be challenged mentally, I think we're also there. 
So I think from our culture standpoint, with that being said, I think with the early price point stuff, did a good job of separating us a little bit. And I know a lot of people thought it was absurd, but I'll tell you what, now we're not really at the point where we have a problem. Usually when people come in and get a membership, they almost don't even question the price. Um, I think some of that's also because the pricing is available online, so they know when they come in what to expect. Um, but I also think you take a look around and you're like, yeah, this is worth it. So you got to be able to flirt that line of um, your, your price point of are they do they feel like what you're providing is worth more than the price point that you've put down. That immediately helps cultivate culture. If you have low price points and you just if you're trying to play the numbers game, your culture will suck. It will suck. You cannot play the volume game and expect your culture to be strong. So I would say there's a very inverted relationship there um, in terms of your price point. So you know if you've got that low price point, you can't expect to have a. I'm sorry, there's a correlating, not an inverted. There's a correlated. Uh, relationship between those price points and your culture. If you got a lower price point, you have a lower quality of culture. If you have a higher price point, you're going to have a higher quality of culture. And I think anybody that has had a gym for an extended period amount of time will tell you that, and they know that. And that's probably how they help dictate their prices. That's also where the semi-private model and private gyms do better than the commercial places like Planet Fitness, Anytime, and, and things like that. You'll notice that those 24-hour places don't have the culture because they're convenience. Um, they're not a destination, and they're not trying to cultivate anything. They're merely trying to get their monthly payment from that person to be able to use the space that they're renting out for that particular month. So once you get past that, I think once you've got your price point figured out in terms of your culture, you've got to be able to set a standard from day one uh, in terms of how the facility is upkept. So leaving equipment out, you know, Obviously, you're going to try to put signage up, but we do our best to tell everybody that's new, you put your stuff back. And I think it's a really good standard for our facility because we work with young athletes and we make sure that they know that. And we, I don't want to say penalize, but we discourage it by giving them up-downs in terms of their payment for leaving something out. You know, if mom and dad asks you to do something, you don't do it, you get in trouble. Either your phone gets taken away or you get grounded or whatever. Um, so we can't do that obviously as coaches, but we can administer something that's not terrible, but something that is a pain in the butt to do. And usually 10 up downs we have found is about that point for our kids where they don't want to leave something out to do 10 up downs. And that's actually pretty, um, I feel like it's pretty reasonable. If they leave out a lot of stuff, it goes up, but, and even sometimes we will give them the benefit of the doubt. We'll give them a free one. Hey, make sure you put your stuff up. There's a sticky note in your binder. Next time it happens, you know, you're going to have to pay the consequences for it. But we're also working with athletes, and so I think we can do that a little bit more stringently um, because that's part of the way sports work as well, is if you do little housekeeping things like that that's not well on the field, you're also going to be, uh, quote-unquote, penalized for it by your coaches. Juniors are going to run gassers or whatever, but uh, you've got the point. But I think our members also realize, hey, that's not a good idea. Also, this equipment's nice. This barbell's nice. We have weights. We have space. We have we have input in what the facility's going to do. We ask if they want something or if they need something, and we try to figure out how we can justify getting it um, for our facility. I think that helps cultivate cultures. You give people a voice, and they feel like they genuinely have a say in what the facility is going to do to an extent. And then once you have that um, buy-in from your members and your other 
other people in your facility. I think that gives them a bit of a say, and then once you have that say, they want that part, be part of that culture, and that helps sell as well. So I think that from a second front is not only the price point, but I think giving people a say, making sure that the standard is set early on and that you're consistent with it. And once people pretty much know and understand that, you're not going to have a problem with it um, because it's kind of almost passed down from lifter to lifter. Um, and it's just that simple. And I also know that when people put stuff away, it's usually nice when they don't have to come to the facility and go put up somebody's plates and bars and whatever. You know, Because at our facility, they're like, is somebody using that? If there's a bar in there, they generally think, somebody's probably using that. And more than likely, they're probably right. Very, very rarely does a bar get left out or bands left out or something like that. So that it's very consistent as long as it happens. So the, the, the third thing... On the, the culture front here, I think, is you've got to be able to make it readily known socially through social media networks. It's 2020. Social media is a part of business for us uh, pretty substantially. As much as you want to admit it or you don't, as good as you want to be at it or you know, as lackluster on it as you might be, I do think that it plays an integral role. And I think if your social media can portray that, you're more likely to get the the customers that you want coming through your door, but they also realize, hey, this is a this is an environment and a culture that I want to be a part of. It it's it resonates with me. I can identify with it. There's actual people there. There's there's real things happening that I want to get behind, and I want to be part of that family and that culture. And that to me helps sell. But you got to be able to promote that on social media. So. I mean, you can't just take some crummy post and just throw it together and hope that it sticks and that it portrays what you want. I think you've got to be a little bit more selective, and I've done a better job of trying to read and learn about this, but you've got to almost market the culture that you want to accept. You can't can't share something that's trash and expect to get something that's a diamond. You know, you, you have to sell and promote quality content and material and then if we're going to get quality content and I guess material is the best way to put it uh, back from your your members and your clients and your athletes so it's kind of a uh, double-edged sword because you kind of got to have one to have the other so getting it started can be a little bit tricky but I do think that playing the social media game with your culture and being able to portray what that culture is uh, matters. So, you know, if you're a hardcore gym, you're probably not going to show the, you know, 20 something year old girl in leggings lifting light dumbbells. That's not going to cultivate your culture and get people that you want to lift really heavy into your facility. And likewise for us, you know, we train a lot of athletes. It doesn't behoove my interest to post some bodybuilder doing calf raises. That's a waste of time from my marketing standpoint. It's a, it's a waste of my energy. It's a waste of the post. It's a waste of my social media engagement. It's not going to do anything to help sell memberships or drive people towards my facility because we also don't even have that kind of demographic. I mean, we have people that do physique and bodybuilding-based things in our facility, but they're not necessarily enamored with doing calves and doing bro science stuff. They're actually training hard, um, and so we would much rather portray the the fact that they're training hard and something else rather than portraying their calf raises. Um, so, you know, most of our stuff is generally targeted towards personal training and sports performance. That's our main business model. That's where 80% plus of our revenue comes from. Um, so, you know, that's what we try to drive and that's what we want. And then our membership aspect that we have 
helps cultivate that culture as well for the kids. We've got a good group of people right now, and I think that that also helps tie everything together for us. So, I mean, you got to talk about how your own business works and everything with that, but I do think that with the social media aspect, you got to think that through and what you're going to try to promote because, like I said, you can't promote a girl doing light curls and leggings and expect that to get your 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 powerlifting membership up. It's not going to work that way. So, after the social media point, I think the other thing is you just got to be genuinely great person and try to display to your clients, your athletes, your parents, your members how much you genuinely care about them as a person. This is a little getting harder for me to do because of the way our numbers are increasing. Um, but I I genuinely try to talk to everybody in the facility at least a little bit. Um, whether it's high with their name and you know how are you doing what are your weekend plans you know how are school how's family how's the wife how's the pets yada 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 i try to find some kind of personal connection i think that means a lot as the business owner that i take a genuine interest in each individual person it's not a swipe in walk the door hi how you, how you doing and that's it um I genuinely want to get to know the people that are in my facility, and I know that as the years go on, that's going to be probably one of the hardest things that I have to do, but I also feel like that cultivates a culture that you have to care about people. I don't know too many people that are like unfriendly, unstandoffish, um, that go back to a place where everybody's really bubbly and friendly and, and generally wants to get to know you. You Again, like we talked about very earlier in the beginning of this, is that you feel like the odd man out. You feel like you're left out. You feel like you don't belong in part of that culture. So, you know, if you want to just go use a facility and leave, I know for our facility, that's we are probably not the place for you. Um, you're, you're probably going to be better off finding some kind of like anytime fitness-based place to go to be able to do that. So genuinely caring about the people that you're with cultivates a culture that you care. And once you have that available to you, then the culture bounces around between everybody else because everybody else cares about everybody else. And it's more like a big family. And uh, we have a, a family shirt at our gym. We mainly did it during our COVID time. And we gave uh, gave a free one to every single person that stayed on our billing during COVID. Um, but I mean, we also sell them now too. But that blue one was like a limited edition. We're not going to do that blue probably ever again. Um, but the, the idea of quote-unquote family sometimes gets lost. But I genuinely want our people to realize that that's how we treat you. That's how we value you. Um, it's not a it's not a matter of just getting your monthly payment, right? It's a it's a matter of we we genuinely care about you and we want you to be part of the family. And that's not only just from me to the consumer, but that's also from consumer to consumer. It's very very nice that you can walk in a facility and watch anybody else in the facility talk, share. Um, show interest in the other people that are training around them and cultivate friend friendships. And I, I really like that about the gym is that it, it cultivates friendships that probably would have never happened. The gym is one of the very unique places where people of all walks of life can share the same space regardless of your you know, your political views, um, your your sexual views, your, your jobs, your income, uh, your, your income level, um, all that stuff kind of goes out the window at the gym because you're training. You're, you're, 
you're a, you're a person sharing an activity that you both enjoy. You know, one person might enjoy squatting or you know powerlifting, and the other person might enjoy doing more of aerobic based fitness with um, conditioning based stuff. But at the end of the day, they both love going to the same four walls and getting a quality workout in next to other people that have like-minded views and I think that goes a long long way in cultivating culture if you can get the people in your facility to mingle and talk to each other and do stuff outside the facility together and actually cultivate relationships not just hey you know there's something more than that I think that resonates a ton about what you're doing in your facility um, or with your teams or whoever Um, and that 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 cultivation of culture right there is very very hard to do. It's not very common. I've been to a lot of gyms. Um, we've managed to do a really good job of that, and I, I got to give my hats off to the members. There's nothing that I that I particularly did, or that Andrew or Adrian particularly did, that I can name off the top of my head. And the fact that we just care about people as people, and I think that kind of like you know is the spark, but we need the members to keep throwing gasoline and firewood on the fire for it to keep going. You know, I can't just keep throwing matches and expect it to light the whole thing if there's no gasoline on it. It's just not going to work. So I think our members do a good job of providing that uh, gasoline and that inf- that information to each other to cultivate those relationships. So if that's something that you want to look at and you're trying to figure out how to do I, I think you do your best to try to have social events um, either at the facility or with the teams or with the groups to, to force them to mingle, not necessarily in the gym, but that you use the, the people from the gym to do something. So I know sometimes that we go out to eat or we'll go to people's houses and things like that. Like I think that's a, like a nice thing. But you know you also got to tiptoe that line carefully because you don't want people to feel left out. I just know like when we do our cookouts and we do our events and things like that, that is a very family-oriented kind of atmosphere, and I think that is a very, very good job of cultivating what you want because then it carries out elsewhere. So I think, I guess, if there is one thing that we do, it's the event side of things that kind of gets people to do that. So look at events and things that are going to get your members to uh, get together and mingle outside of just lifting weights together. And one of the last things I'm going to talk about here with the cultivating culture is it's it's kind of hard to to put into like just a summarized point, but I think it's that when you when you have a, a facility or when you have people that work there, it's got to be more than a job or a workout. It's got to be a this is a place I love to go. So. I don't want to say that you have to absolutely love your job, but I think that if you are an employee of the facility, I think you've at least at a bare minimum got to show that you genuinely care about what you're doing. You have to think about the business first and the people first before you think about yourself first, and then that kind of carries on to the stuff that you do. So um, to give you an example, I think that once you've – established a connection with a particular member or client or athlete you do something that shows you care about that person uh, almost one-on-one whether you send them a text or a phone call or you talk to the kids parents or you go to the game or you support one of their um, you know their 
fundraising activities or something their kid does and you're able to donate $5 to or, you know, whatever it is. I think it shows that you're like, you know, I'm not after you just for money. You know, you're obviously using my facility and there's a, a price point that you have to pay to be able to do that. I think most people understand that. But I think when you start giving your money back to something that their family, friends are, are doing and you genuinely are trying to give back, I think you'll see that come back tenfold later on. Um, and you'll get that client that will want to stick around and show that you actually care about their family or their friends or their events or, or whatever it is they're doing. So when you when you give that way, it's it's more than just money that you're giving or or, or whatever the the physical trait is that you're you're giving back. I think it's more than just that, but you have to remember that it's more than just that. So I I try to with our kids. Obviously, we try to go to their games and watch as much as we can. COVID's been very difficult with that. But I think that cultivates culture there because it's like, you know, not only do we want to see you have success, but we want to physically see you have success. We want to go out and watch you do your thing, the thing that you genuinely love. Because for our athletes, the weight room is a means to an end. It's not their, uh, I mean, they might enjoy training. Don't get me wrong. We definitely have some kids that do love being in the weight room. But at the end of the day, their goal is to be a better baseball, softball, tennis, swimming, whatever. So if we can watch them go do that at a better level because of what we did and it helped them, to me that I think that helps cultivate culture that you know you care about us as a facility to keep investing in us and you try to make yourself better. We're going to do the same back to you. We're going to spend some money and come watch you invest in you do this um, and, and try to support you, give sponsorship dollars to certain um, teams and companies that will help give you somewhere um, in, in your teams or your your endeavors and I think that cultivates culture as well that you know it's it's a team environment and to me when it comes to cultivating culture you understand that that is a it's more it is a team and we've talked about our core values and one of the other episodes that I've done and and teamwork is definitely one of the things that we talk about and this is no different your, your culture is your team and they are kind of uh, locked in in unison with each other so you've got to be able to find that and resonate that with your clients, your athletes, your members, uh, and, and try to go above and beyond to to be a real person with them. You know, sometimes you got a big facility and it's hard to maybe see and do all that. And I know that's something that we're going to run into in the future at some point, being able to try to, to evenly spread that out. But I think if you start and you try doing that, you know you can even delegate that to some of your your team members to be able to help you accomplish that. Um, and I think that's definitely worth it there. So, um, but when you do that, I also want to mention that it, it helps raise the standard for any competitors you're with. So you know that's one of those things that again you don't really get to measure on like a balance sheet of you know investing and going watching and doing things for people, but. That could be something that gets garnishes you customer base later on because they might say, well, hey, you know, the people at Thirst came and watched my kid play and, you know, we were at this other XYZ facility and, you know, they, they never once genuinely came and watched or did anything about them playing sports. They just cared about their training or, you know, that's all they did was just train them. They didn't actually come come support them at anything. So... I do think that goes a long way. 
<clears throat> at least from a sports performance standpoint and other business models, I think that's where you start looking at, <clears throat> you know, maybe this is a little hard because I don't have any experience talking about it, but I would imagine other businesses, that's where you take people out for dinner or, you know, you buy their drinks or you, you pick up the tab uh, if you go somewhere publicly. Um, you know, I, I think that shows that, you know, hey, we, we care about you. We want to go out and do something with you. We're going to put it on our on our credit card um, just so we can get to know you better as a person. Um, obviously, that has tax write-off stuff too, but, I mean, that's not why you're doing it. It's just one of those things that you can justify doing financially, obviously. So um, just showing that you give a damn about people goes a long way in, in that regard. So I'm going to try to quit rambling in that circle. And the, the what I, reason I kind of wanted to get to this was that if you're going to if you're going to do that, for us, we try not to showcase lifts of people, um, you know, particular exercises of like so-and-so doing this. I mean, we do if they hit a good record and it looks good. I like doing it, especially, you know, we have uh, a kid deadlift 407 for three the other day. His first time ever deadlifting 400, but not only for one, but obviously for three. That's kind of a big deal. All right, that's that's not exactly. You don't walk around and watch a high school kid deadlift 400, especially when it looks pretty decent technique wise. So you know you kind of highlight those things. But I I think highlighting a personal training client for showing up, in my opinion, that's not cultivating good culture. Good culture. Yeah, we want you to show up, but I feel like your culture should already cultivate that. That should already be a standard. That should be rule number one, show up, uh, especially in the personal training realm because it does you no good otherwise if you don't show up. I mean, you've got to actually show up for anything else to occur further on down the road, right? But Or you writing testimonials for them where like, we love working with so-and-so because they do this. Better option to cultivate culture is have that person say something great about you and you reshare it or you requote it or you apply it to an image or or something social media wise that goes along with what you're trying to cultivate i think you'll see a better return on investment that way um because i feel like that's one of the things that i see the most from other ads is oh we do this and i'm like i don't i want your client i'm obviously not buying but you know I want the client to say that. That's going to make me buy because the client's going to be unbiased. You know, if, if I said, hey, um, we have the strongest athletes in the area. Well, maybe we do, but are you going to take my word for it? I own the I own the business. That's pretty biased. But if one of the athletes is like, oh, look at me deadlifting 407 for three. Well, that athlete just said, hey, this gym is really strong. I did this because the gym helped me, not because um, – you know, of, of any other reason that I'm promoting promoting it, it reaches not only a different demographic, but it, it encapsulates that the the culture demanded that he do that, and we we want to showcase that. You know, obviously we reshare, retweet, or repost, or whatever it's called nowadays with whatever platform you're using. But that to me means more. Um, so I think when it comes to cultivating culture, you want to try to incentivize your your athletes and your clients and your members to share things on your behalf. Obviously, you got to do a little bit of your own marketing, but I mean, I still think that does a much better job of cultivating the culture you want. So, at least from a business perspective with social media on that realm. 
So that's really all I had for this one. It's a really super short, sweet um, approach to cultivating culture and how we kind of do things and, and how I kind of look at things. There's no really like earth-shattering things here, I think, that are going to like completely change your business. But maybe I said one thing that sparked an idea for you if you're a business owner or if you are maybe a strength and conditioning coach and how you can maybe flip something around with your athletes or with your staff um, that that will help get you a little extra more umph in the coming weeks. With COVID right now, I can't imagine what the culture is like in terms of not only getting buy-in, but just getting everybody to be on the same page and, and work together. It's very, very difficult uh, with everything that's going on right now. So I just know that culture is something that I've been very appreciative, appreciative of lately. Um, this past week at the gym with Labor Day, week slash weekend however you want to really kind of phrase that made me realize i'm very thankful for what we have and what it what it does for us as a business i feel like i don't have to try to sell my gym anymore um i I think anyone that's followed us on social media knows that we have now officially capped our open gym membership to only a certain number of members and we have filled up every single time we've had an opening and we have an opening right now um at least as of this recording but I think that also has done a lot to cultivate culture is, hey, it's, it's limited. Um, we're, we're basically essentially a private facility now um, due to that. So you just can't just walk in and use the gym um, if you want to. You know, we only have so many of those memberships that we offer and make available. Um, and then once they're gone, they're gone. You know, we're not accepting anybody else. You're going to have to go find somebody else and get on our wait list, which can be a good and a bad thing. Um, let's not get it twisted. Um, I do think that we have some some potential issues that we could see later on, but I think that that FOMO, that fear of missing out, will incentivize people to choose us. So that was part of a, a marketing tactic there. Not that we intentionally wanted it, but we value our customers and our athletes uh, very highly. We want to make sure they have the training environment they need. Same thing with our lifters that we have. We want their environment, equipment, everything they have and they need available for them when they need it um, so that we're not you know overcrowded but also the safety with COVID and everything I think it helps us limit our numbers tremendously easier as well so that's a side rant topic there but this week basically just made me very appreciative of that so I want to talk on that but I also want to get some more time to try to get some recordings done with other people that I can do some interviews with Um, that's definitely one of the big things I wanted with this podcast so I don't want you to think that this is um, just mainly a solo podcast. There are going to be a lot of things, and I do want to hear from people. I do want interaction. I want people to tell me what they want to hear me discuss. Um, but sitting down and talking with people is also a good way to share information. Um, but like I said, I was just really appreciative of our of our culture this week and what I saw. It just really made me kind of think back to two years ago, especially as I started to see a lot of my um, memories posts and things like that on Facebook and Instagram of kind of where we started and where we are now. It made me very appreciative of the two years that we've had and everyone that's been part of that journey um, and has helped get us to where we are and and help establish that culture. It would not be where it is without them. Um, So if you are part of that culture or you are a member of Thirst or you're a parent of Thirst or you're an athlete of Thirst, this is a genuine thank you for helping cultivate that culture. It's it's there because of you, um, not because of myself, Adrian, or Andrew. We are just merely the people that help uh, monitor the culture, I guess. So that's all I've got with culture. 
feel free to hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, all that good stuff. If you've got any recommendations on episodes, people you want to hear from, and I will do my best. So thanks for tuning in the episode, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Thirst for More podcast. Give us a follow on Spotify, iTunes, Google, and other streaming services. Feel free to visit our website, thirstgym.com. That's T-H-I-R-S-T-G-Y-M.com. And click on the podcast tab to look over show notes and extra free resources. You can also give us a follow on Instagram at Team Thirst. That's T-E-A-M period T-H-I-R-S-T. Or you can give me a follow at B Smitley. That's B-S-M-I-T-L-E-Y for more updates on future episodes to come. I'm your host, Brandon Smitley, and we'll catch you at the next episode.